Hey, it's Dave Black, and you're listening to Letters from Combe, and today I'm doing this podcast from the side of uh, Haleakala in, uh, on Maui, in the fog. There's a visibility of about 75 feet, and I'm probably up around uh, 7,000 feet right now. No snow, of course. This is Hawaii. Today's stories are based on newspaper articles and and other archival research material related to the uh, stories that I'm, I'm going to talk to you about. And that's the way I, I normally do it on these podcasts. Uh, you get about a 15-minute podcast out of me, maybe 15 to 30 minutes max. And it actually takes about 10 times as much research as that. Um, quite a bit of legwork, in brain legwork, I should say, goes into uh, trying to get the facts right and trying to give you an accurate picture of, of the story. We kind of left our, our track of, of Old West stories uh, a couple of months ago, and um, I think we're going to go back to the Old West theme of Four Corners in this episode, and we're going to visit some some old west style tragedy and death and we'll start by telling we'll start by discussing the story of the 1997 four corners manhunt at about 10 a.m. on the morning of May 29, 1997 in Cortez, Colorado Officer Dale Claxton pulled over a water truck, a water tanker truck that had been reported stolen earlier that day. Immediately before he got out of his seatbelt, he was executed, peppered with 29 shots from a modified AK-47 assault rifle and three bursts of gunfire through the windshield. It sparked the largest manhunt in the history of the Southwest and in truth, it's still a mystery. There's, there's a lot of mystery shrouding this, this story. It mobilized over 75 law enforcement agencies and the Army National Guard Special Forces. After the execution of Claxton, three fugitives fled in the water tanker truck. They were Jason McVean and Robert Mason of Durango and, and Monty Pylon of Dove Creek. After switching out the water tanker for a flatbed Ford truck, they gunned down another deputy, and then they headed for Utah on Highway 666, where they disappeared into Cross Canyon after ditching the truck in Hovenweep. On June 4th, a social worker to the east of Bluff was fired on, and, and Officer Kelly Bradford was dispatched to investigate. As he exited his vehicle, he was shot in the shoulder and then in the back by Mason. On June 4th, Robert Mason was found dead from a bullet wound in the head. Near the site of Bradford's shooting, east of Bluff, near the San Juan River. To this day, conflicting information indicates he was either moved there and repositioned 
or possibly died by his own hand at that spot. After his death, the trail went cold until Halloween of 1999 when Monty Pylon was, was discovered headless and decomposed. Mesa, sitting cross-legged under a tree near Tin Cup Mesa, from skull fragments found on the scene, his cause of death was determined, a shot to the head. Nearly eight years later, the skeleton of Jason McVean was discovered with a cache of supplies by a local cowboy in Cross Canyon, and ending the nine-year manhunt, but leaving a lot of uncomfortable questions unanswered. Like, did they have outside help? Why did the field assessments by law enforcement and the autopsy results by the EME differ so much? What was the motive and what was the plan? Some speculate it was to use the stolen vehicles to rob the Ute Casino in Ignacio. Others believe they planned to blow up Glen Canyon Dam. What really happened to them is lost in time and the desert. All three deaths, all shot in the head, with little pathological evidence indicating suicide. Next up is Tom McCarty. Utah native Mormon Tom McCarty was an early mentor of Butch Cassidy and the leader of a gang called the Blue Mountain Robbers. If you remember, the Blue Mountains is the mountain range north of Blanding, just west of Monticello. It was also known as the Hole in the Wall Society. McCarty started out in the Pacific Northwest in the, in the 1870s, rustling cattle with his young brother, Bill, and by the 1890s was robbing banks in Colorado. He trained Butch Cassidy as a cattle rustler and helped him rob his first bank. They had, Tom had over $250,000 in today's value on his head as a, as a bounty. But he was never arrested and the bounty was never paid. And McCarty was born in Iowa around 1850 and married a 15-year-old girl when he was about 22. His wife's brother, by the way, was none other than Willard Erastus Christensen, also known as Matt Warner. On June 24, 1889, Matt Warner, Tom McCarty, and Butch Cassidy robbed the bank in Telluride. Eventually, the gang ended up in Wyoming near Hole in the Rock in KC, Wyoming country. In 1896, Butch joined Elsie Lay, Bob Meeks, and Harvey Logan to start the Wild Bunch gang and to rob the bank in Montpelier, Idaho. Joe Walker. Joe was born in 1850 in Texas to a mother and father who owned a cattle herd. And when Joe's dad died, when he was very young, his mother had her brother, Joe's uncle, known as Doc Whitmore, manage the herd. What the doc did was combine his and her herds 
and he headed for northern Arizona in the area of Pipe Springs, where Doc Whitmer proceeded to get killed by the Paiute Indians. The widow Whitmore sold the property to the LDS Church, and the widow and her two sons, the Whitmore brothers, headed for Carbon County, Utah, where they ran a thriving cattle business and horse business in Nine Mile Canyon and eventually became wealthy bankers. It was after Walker's mom died in 1891 that Walker showed up in Price to ask the Whitmore family for the Walker share of what was due. But the Whitmers refused to acknowledge any debt or even any relationship to Joe. And over the next four years, Joe became angry and bitter. And in 1896, he made the mistake of losing his temper after getting drunk and then shooting up the town of Price. The result was the placement of a $500 bounty on Joe's head by Governor Wells. And there were plenty of takers too. And he soon found himself in his first running shootout with a posse which he successfully escaped from and disappeared into Robber's Roost. The following year, he was suspected of participating in the Castle Gate payroll robbery, and with the help of Gunplay Maxwell, he stole additional cattle from Whitmer's, and he hid the stock at Mexican Bend near the San Rafael River in the swell. But in the meantime, Gunplay Maxwell ratted Joe out to the Whitmers and told them where to find him. Carbon County Sheriff Allred and a deputy surprised Joe at the river and Joe opened fire, wounding the deputy, and he escaped again. But in 1898, Joe's luck ran out. After stealing even more cattle from the Whitmers, Joe and cowboy Johnny Herring were bedded down for the night at a camp near Thompson a posse, who had mistaken them for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, surrounded them in the dark and waited and waited until daybreak. When the posse opened fire, Joe and Johnny tried to roll out of their bedrolls with their pistols blazing, but were immediately gunned down and peppered with lead. I mentioned Doc Whitmore and his hired manager, Robert McIntyre, was killed by the... They were both killed by the Paiutes. According to a Utah militiaman, who participated in this uh, <clears throat> action, who participated in, in this incident. In an interview with photographer Charles Ellis Johnson, who, who we've talked about before, troops found some Paiutes trying to kill cattle after the killings. They bargained with the soldiers to show them where Whitmer's body was in exchange for safe passage. And at the sight of the bodies, nine more Indians were arrested. As the soldiers and the prisoners passed through the spot where Whitmer and McIntyre were killed, they saw the bodies being loaded into a wagon and it pissed them off. And they turned the Indians loose, chased them down and executed them. Somewhere between nine and 13 of them were killed. When you get to Comb Ridge, and, and that vicinity. The scenery is absolutely incredible. It will inspire you definitely, and, and you've got everything there from great geology to creatures of all kinds and stunning wildflowers. Whatever you want to look at is there. 
In a future series, we're going to be talking about Navajo ethnobotany. We've already talked about uh, toxic plants, dangerous wildlife, and geologic processes. Well, when you get out there, like I said, you've got all that stuff, and how do you identify it? Can you identify it without training? For the next half a dozen episodes, we're going to be going over some pretty cool stuff that you can find for your phone. You take that phone out with you in the backcountry, and you can do virtually anything. You can be a, a cell phone geologist, a cell phone botanist. Uh, you can identify clouds, you can identify stars, you can identify rocks, minerals, crystals. And uh, we're going to talk about those apps for your phone. And the, the first one we're going to talk about is, is called Seek, S-E-E-K. Seek is by a company called iNaturalist. You can find it on Google Play. I don't do iPhone, so... Um, Whatever it is that you do, I guess it's Apple Play or whatever, whatever that is. Um, Seek by iNaturalist is the name of it. It's a plant and animal identifier. The people who have downloaded it have uh, given it four and a half stars. Uh, there is a, there are a couple of identifier programs available that have four, like 4.6 or 4.7 stars. And with this app, what you do is you open it up. It gives you some options. You point the camera at any living thing and or, or you can import a pic from your, from your own gallery. And the, uh, the, the app will coach you through it, too. And it will allow you and suggest for you to take additional pictures. And once you've got it identified, you can get the information about it and, and, and uh, read up on whatever it is that you've, what you've found and identified. How often uh, does it work? Well, I'm going to say probably somewhere around... I've, I've been pretty successful with it, I'd say. And I would say somewhere around 80% of the time it will identify it within a few minutes. And uh, I've had it work immediately when I when I pointed the camera towards the, uh, the plant that I was wanting to identify. I, it had identified it immediately. I don't think there was more than a second that went by when it, before it identified it. There are very few uh, commercials and ads on this app. It's it's free to download, and I've got to say it's been a lot of fun working with it. So once again, it's called Seek by iNaturalist, and an FYI, there is a, a version of this program on it's lurking on the on. Google Play, and they, it's, on Google Play, it's called iNaturalist. Don't download the iNaturalist. Download 
the Seek by iNaturalist because there's a difference in the way the programs work on, the, on your phone. So, it's Seek, S-E-E-K, by iNaturalist. A lot of fun.